Screams, a horror podcast. Tonight we are following up with our Ari Aster celebration um, with Hereditary. Um, we did Midsummer last week, and I'm very excited to talk about Hereditary. I'm going to start off our conversation after I introduce the guest. And so we have Daniel Nightmare Nerd Ryan. Greetings, horror fanatics. We have Sean Smith. In honor of Rob. How do you do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Our bro. Erica Wright. Hello, everyone. She's always right. And we have Cameron <laughs> Sullivan. This podcast is dedicated to Dimebag Daryl. One cool motherfucker. Yeah. Buried in a kiss casket. How cool is that? Yeah. Sorry, I love but, this. So, yeah, yeah, side note. <laughs> fuck you, Gene Simmons, you money-grubbing pig. Absolutely. No! I second, <laughs> third, and fourth that movement. Thank you. Yes. And I'm a KISS fan. <laughs> might have been a teacher, Gene, but Daniel will teach you. <laughs> you, you, get, you, get, you get buried in one of those things, you better just pray the box lasts as long as their farewell tour. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, that's a burn. I, I saw them on their actual farewell tour with uh, when they reunited with... Uh, uh, Peter and Ace, and I never saw them again after that because it's not real kissed. Anyway, uh, moving on. Let's talk about something <laughs> scarier than that. Um, Chinese hereditary. democracy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about hereditary. And I want to start off the discussion with about hereditary. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to lose all my street cred. But this movie scared the shit out of me. And I <laughs> actually, I know Cameron, calm down. But <laughs> and what was good about it What's good about it? I don't think that makes me less of a horror fan or like a wimp or anything else because I watch gore and I laugh at it and stuff. But this movie was really good at getting under the skin. And um, I like it that a movie can still scare me when movies usually don't. And it, it had a really good vibe to it. A very dark, creepy movie with great visuals. Mm-hmm. And it kept me up. It kept me up at night. And I love that. I love that. I, I'm so excited that after all these years as a jaded horror fan that I can still be scared by something. So applause for that. Yes. I mean, that's why we do this, right? We like to be scared. That or just see bullshit. (laughs) Gluttons for punishment. (laughs) Yeah, in some cases, absolutely. The money I wasted on the remake of Friday the 13th, what was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And I actually like that. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Burn. 
<laughs> so anybody else, um, did Hereditary, did, did it have an effect on you? Oh, yes. Um, so I saw it two weeks before the official release date. Um, Alamo Drafthouse did an early screening and they had a director Q&A. So at that point, I didn't have any spoilers. I was just going on uh, the trailers that aired beforehand, which were incredibly misleading. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, I, are we going to get into spoilers for this or should we wait a bit? I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked midsummer spoilers, so I, okay. I think go for it. Okay, so you, know, you kind of, based on the trailer, you think that the the odd girl there, Charlie's going to be, I don't know, like the bad seed, where she's more of the protagonist or maybe the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, what is it, 30 minutes or so in with that car accident scene, the whole audience went dead silent. Like, they were kind of quietly talking and joking up until that point and then that just sucked the air out of the room yeah yeah and that was the whole a, aftermath I mean, from that that was incredibly disturbing i absolutely. think although alamo draft house had a bit of a perverse sense of humor um with that so since it was a special premiere event they gave us free beverages and snacks but the um they made a big point of saying we're bringing around some chocolate cake, but let us know if you have a nut allergy because this uh, has nuts in it, and we uh, don't want to cause problems for people. So they bring the the chocolate cake with nuts in it, walnuts, like out during that party scene. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. So that's great. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Yep. <laughs> like when mom, when she showed me The Exorcist, and she made green Kool Aid, and I didn't understand. well can i just say like that scene with you know within the car with the telephone pole and everything (laughs) for for me what made that scene was it wasn't so much the fact that she her head hit the pole it was the camera focused on him Mm -hmm. the the brother and the and the, the utter silence and he's just sitting there staring and he's and, trying to breathe, and you, you know, you see him kind of crying and trying to pull his shit together, and yeah, that's a, a pretty, very powerful pretty, moment. Pretty, they pretty cut away of shock. Yeah, yeah, they cut it. They cut away, but it's not to get you know, say you know, a rating difference or anything. It's just to just show you how just powerful it is. It's like you know what's going to happen, and so you might as well have seen it because now it's in your head. It's like, oh fuck, someone just right. got decapitated. And I think it's safe to say at this point. You know, as we're talking about Ari Aster's movies, they are very emotional. They mm-hmm. make you feel stuff. And I think that that's really the power with these films and why they're so good is because you got the scare, you got the, you know, the horrible things happening. And you're also kind of feeling what these characters are feeling. He's really, really good at that. Yeah. Well, I and I had read that, you know, a couple people had, had called this emotional horror. And I'd never really heard that phrase before, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's just that we're still having to prove to people, hey, just because it's horror doesn't mean it sucks. Right. Um, uh, for my part, I will say I liked this better than I did Midsummer, and for the emotional part because it was yes. about gr- it was about grief, and that's such a devastating and very powerful emotion that mm-hmm. you, you actually don't see it covered that much in horror, despite what an ordeal it is to live with. Right. Right. And honestly, I think in all of his work that I've seen, because I did see this strange thing about the Johnsons, his short film, and also Midsummer and Hereditary, 
grief is kind of covered in all three of those. Yeah. And because it's it's such a strong emotion and it's also universal. We all feel that. At one I couldn't read level. anything about whether he had a messed up life or anything or was just drawn to it as a filmmaker. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And, um, Excuse oh, me. sorry. Sorry, I'm terribly sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, I I saw some uh, blurb online that the movie uh, Hereditary was inspired by. I he didn't go into detail on in the the interview that I saw, but he had like really devastating bad luck in his family for three years and a lot of tragic events that just piled on. Mm. Uh, that's kind of what inspired the film. Yeah, and if you yeah. and if you take out the, you know the uh, the supernatural aspect, um, the occult aspect, and that's exactly what it is—is is just a family tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, grand, the grandmother dies, and then the daughter dies. Um, now, last week I had mentioned the movie "Don't Look Now" with uh, Donald Sutherland. Yes, yeah. that. Watching Hereditary, I thought a lot of that movie because it's similar in that grief is that underlying theme and you really can't tell are there actually supernatural events happening or is it just this family is cracking under the strain that this trauma is put on them. And I will might have to cover it. (laughs) Yeah, I I give a lot of credit. They were very clever in their use of misdirection that way. Yes. Yes. I like, um, you know. I think at this point we can do a little bit of comparison, but uh, I saw Midsummer before I saw Hereditary, and Midsummer, as we talked about, was sort of this really bright as hell, super surreal kind of, you know, but just so bright it's almost blinding. And then Hereditary is so dark, you know, everything. I mean, it's dark, but I mean, it's you know, literally dark. You, you barely see things, um, and, and it kind of gives you that that feeling of darkness in your inside of you, you know, like, Oh God, this is so horrible. And, and, and it's dark and I can't see anything at all. The, you know, the, se- the sense of a person who's just been through a really horrible trauma and just becomes a recluse, keeps themselves locked up all day, shades drawn because they yes. don't want to face the world. And so I think in that it was very masterful. It, it definitely sets the tone for this film. And it, like I said, this film scared me, but, you know, I'm not talking about, like, I was up teeth chattering or anything, but it, it stayed with me. <laughs> Careful with the teeth chatter comment that comes in the, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> but, you know, it, it stayed with me, and, you know, it, it takes a lot for a movie to do that. I watch a lot of movies. Um, but I really, I, I thought about it a lot, you know, um, when I first watched it, and I wanted to watch it again. You know, noticing things I didn't notice before, and I think... What's beautiful about this is the subtlety of all the the research that Ari Aster did about Cayman. Um, yeah. You know, and and you know, you don't really notice it the first time around, but if you do a little research, like we talked about with Midsummer and people looking into the folklore and so on and so forth, it kind of makes the movie richer in that aspect because you notice the little things. Mm-hmm. Correct. Less is more. Yeah, subtlety is. A fine art. Yeah. Not easy to do either. Sometimes I've seen a lot of independent films do a lot of small moments, and then you would go to the Q&A, and they're like, I intended that. And everyone was like, yeah, sorry. We we totally didn't know what to look for, so we didn't get that at all. 
<laughs> yeah. Not well, the case here. Well, and subtle, subtlety is not usually found in horror. It's not, you know, you you watch horror for splatter. You don't watch it for subtlety. Mm-hmm. No. Well, aside from genre expectations, it was just one of those is like, it might as well have been an Easter egg. It was one that you'll see if you watch it three times, but if you're not already connected to the movie, you won't see it at all. So, right. not the case here. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, Candy, we had watched uh, the series House on Haunted Hill. And um, had, yeah, had the Haunting Hill House. Or the Haunting Hill House. Had I not read an article about the hidden ghost faces throughout Yeah, we were like series, mostly through the series when we figured that I, out. Too. I would have I never even thought to look for them. You know, and so then when someone pointed it out, it was like, okay, let's let's go back and rewatch this and try to find them. You know, <laughs> but I keep getting and, caught up in the story. <laughs> I know, so we forget. But you know, but yeah, but she, she, know, I thought someone did we, a screenshot of every. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, that takes all the fun out, out of it. All right. <laughs> but when uh, you know when you talk about subtlety, you know, I mean, it's the same way with this. And I know, Candy, you had you had told me about a video that you had watched. I'd still I've dropped the ball. I still haven't watched it. But that they pointed out, you know, some of the little, you know, subtleties and, and little Easter eggs and stuff hidden, you know, throughout the film. And I know at one point, like, I don't think I noticed it the first time, but when she's a, when when he's driving and she's about to hit the, the telephone pole, mm-hmm. isn't there like in payment symbol like yep. on the telephone pole? Yes. You know, and I didn't I didn't catch that the first time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. There's there's so many yeah cool details you have to watch the film multiple times to really see. Yeah, and that's you know, and for me, like I think video games and like replayability, and I'm not the type of person that you know, I if I watch a movie once, unless it really grasps me, I'm not gonna go back and watch it again, at least for that's a fine. long time. Mm-hmm. And, and but this was one of those movies that you know there were so many things in it that I I've missed. So I enjoyed watching it a second time, even though we'd probably watched it, what, maybe a month ago. Yeah. You know, it was interesting for me to go back and rewatch it because, you know, I can see things from a different perspective now. The fact and, that he and even I noticed, like, that. little things like <laughs> the cult members. I mean, honestly, when I first watched it, um, I didn't notice, you know, I, of course I noticed the cult members at the end because they're right there. You can't miss them. But they were actually in the house at other times. You could hear them walking around, things like that. But the first time I watched it, I thought literally Annie had done everything. Like, you know, dug up her mother's grave and put the body up in the attic. You know, kind of like I was where, you know, her husband was. Like, Mm. you're sick. You know, you've got a problem. Like, you know, the whole hereditary thing, like, it's just in her. But then I realized, you know, the cult people are, they're in and out of there because, you know, her, her mother was living there. And they could get in and out. And they were the ones that did that. And so she wasn't nuts. I mean, she was obviously a little unstable, but I think she had reason to be. Yeah. You know? It was a setup. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, I, it's just so well-crafted. Uh, I like how the, the there's times where there's little flashes of light to draw your attention. And it also draws the character's attention. And right. to yeah. specific events to trigger them. And um, if you look into Payman mythos, uh, you know, he he rides with uh, three heads. So there's, th- you know, the decapitations were very important part of the ritual to summon Payman. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they kind of focus on that. And also, he carries a staff, and you can see it at the end with the little statue they have, um, with a bent hand. And if you remember the part with Peter in school, where he just suddenly raises his hand and it's bent at a weird angle, mm-hmm. it's because Payman was present. This is essentially what Zack Snyder wishes he could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm so glad Rob's not here. He would, you and him would get into it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd, then I'd have to yell at you. What do we think about the music? How it's pretty haunting. That was well done, I will say. Yeah, I thought the, the music in both this and uh, Midsummer were phenomenal. I mean, they They're just great set, at mm-hmm. setting the tone. Yeah. Uh, it was composed by former Arcade Fire saxophonist uh, Colin Stetson. And uh, you can hear a lot of his stuff. He's done a lot of non-horror scores, but they're haunting regardless. Uh, I remember him doing a song that was used in the psychological thriller uh, Blue Caprice, which is about the DC snipers. What was oh, going through yeah. their heads. Oh, nice. And uh, he, I, I was listening, literally, I studied up on all his stuff, da- downloaded it off of iTunes, you know, since I have that, you know, inl- unlimited downloading option, and I'm listening to this score he did for National Geographic, which is about like bark skins of trees or something, and you just get in your head as you're listening to it, just chaos, fires burning down everything, everything in jeopardy, and it's like, geez, this is very unnerving, very uh, fast, morbidly fascinating, and a nightmare you can't look away from. It's in his blood, just making these kind of scores, and it looks like he's going to be a bigger name soon. So, Absolutely. I mean, the the... The score in Hereditary was haunting, and it was so great at like the pivotal moments, and and it also wasn't overdone. It was subtle, which I think is really good. Like I said, um, you don't get that a lot in horror, and I I just really hope that his movies are going to inspire modern horror more. You know, we need more Definitely. things like this. They kind of went to the. I don't. I don't like jump scares every five minutes because it's 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 cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks like they went to the Hellraiser uh, book in terms of if you got very little to work with, you got to just have a music and that that totally creates the world. Makes yeah. it freaky. <laughs> um, for me, actually, even more than music, their use of silence was very well done. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel like they, you know were abrupt in the editing like oh i don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah, like, that, that moment after the, the accident with charlie yeah where he's sitting there in silence i mean yeah. you're just, like it's That's just what like shock is absolutely no absolutely the well, actor alex wolf apparently almost got ptsd wow really and even offered ari aster to actually you know during the classroom scene he was willing to actually break his own nose and ari was like no that's borderline illegal We're, i'm not gonna let you do that <laughs> yeah he did dislocate his jaw for that scene Ooh. but it was already dislocated he could mm-hmm. he could pop it out so he really he was a method actor and he wouldn't so let anybody call him yeah he wouldn't um let anybody call him alex they they had to call him peter until the end of the movie, when they finished, when they wrapped, he was like, I'm, by the way, you know, I'm Alex. <laughs> yeah, he's very serious about it, what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I just like to say that I really enjoyed the uh, gratuitous use of uh, Tony Collette. She's oh, a yes. <laughs> yes. Can we have phenomenal actress. Tony Collette every day, please. 
and I don't I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, the series that used to be on. I think it was Showtime or HBO uh, United States. States of Terror. Yeah. I mean, she plays multiple personalities phenomenally. She's done like, everything phenomenally. I love her. Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's yeah. Also, in one of my favorite movies called Velvet Goldmine, and she's yeah. amazing in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just great, and she actually didn't want to do the movie I saw until that. she read the script, and then she was like, "Absolutely!" And she did produce it. Her and yeah. Gabriel Byrne. That's yeah. where I was confused by Gabriel. Is it, I don't know what he did as producer, like if he had control over how his character act. Because I didn't well, he think was he was playing a, the straight man in this. You know, he was. Yeah, the, well, there was that, but then it seemed like he was confused as to. It wasn't distracting, but I noticed he did let his accent slip out various moments, and I was like, I don't know if he intended that or if yeah, yeah. he's so busy as producing us. So I, because I, at first you could see that he was not trying to use it, but then it kind of starts slipping out. So I don't know if that was on purpose or, you know, I, I did see people complain about that. And I'm just like, it didn't take away from the movie for me because I know he's not American. So right. I didn't have any expectations there. Yeah, Bonus points I love if Gabriel Byrne. But did, or did you expect him to almost turn into Satan, like into Days or Gabriel Byrne is a is a great actor, and I love him. I loved him in uh, um, um, Usual Suspects, yes. one of my favorite movies. Um, That's a really good movie. But I didn't I didn't think that this was his best performance. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think he had to play it the way that he played it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what he did was good. Like the moment after Peter breaks his nose and he's driving and he just starts bawling. Right. Yeah. At the stoplight, like I just it just tears my heart. Yeah. Fun fact: uh, Alex Wolf, the actor who plays his son in this movie, uh, they both previously co-starred on the HBO show In Treatment. Previously. Yeah. Yeah, I remember In Treatment. That was a really good show, actually. And once again, that was another one unnerving. I would always see people say, I don't like this. This makes me feel like shit. I'm like, that's the point. That's the <laughs> point. Yeah. The point. Well, it's kind of like why I refuse to watch The Mist ever again, because I don't like being depressed. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, Stephen, Stephen King, um, he actually, and honestly, it, it's my favorite adaptation of his work. And that's high praise for me, because I don't like any adaptations of his work. But he, they changed the ending from the story because how he ended this, the novella was, you know, they, they were surviving still. Nobody got killed, you know, in that little group. And they were just, you know, he's like one word, hope. So he ends it with hope. But in the movie, it's fucking devastating. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, this played in Australia in front of a, uh, a kid's movie. I think it was yeah. Oh shit! I, read, I heard about that. Forty children went out of the theater crying, and the cinema had to give out free movie passes as an apology. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's great. Having their own little moment of grief. Yeah. They designed the sets off of to make it look like an actual dollhouse, like in the actual film, and it was partially inspired by Aries' real life, uh, on according to Mental Floss. So. Oh okay. I don't no, want to. I- uh, Baldly dramatized. Yeah. Where where this one bad thing piles up on top of the other and you're you're amazed to walk out of it. You feel like you've had a borderline Vietnam experience. Well, I heard that he I don't know if you have any of you seen ordinary people. 
Um, yes, I saw, some, I saw yeah, some I, people comparing it to that, but well, I kind of thought... actually, Ari himself said that he was inspired by Ordinary People. Interesting, never seen it. You should uh, watch it, it's really classic. good. Um, Mary Tyler Moore in that movie is just, it's not what you expect from Mary Tyler Moore. Um, everybody in it was just phenomenal, and it's just, it's a family piece, you know? And I can see where the inspiration came from. Yeah, it's a good um, movie. I my entire screenwriting class thought it was overrated. I was like, why? No, it's no, no. Real. It is fantastic. <laughs> it's very, very just can't take your eyes off it. You don't know why the mother hates the son who survived until the end of the movie and sink. Okay, so I, that that makes sense why he's doing that comparison because the whole time here, yeah, the mom is calling her son. You know. You fucking shit, you know. You yeah, well, my dog. that whole that whole scene <laughs> at the dinner table. I mean, it's so vivid. I feel like I'm sitting in the other chair. You know, yeah. where it's just that silence, or in the you know, like the forks clinking on the plates, and then, you know, he's like, "Well, mom, if you have something to say, just say." It. You know, and he's, <laughs> you know, pushing her, and she finally explodes on him, and then he's all crying and freaking out, and the dad's trying to calm him down, and. You know, she's like, I'm your mother. And I'm like, God, haven't we all had those moments? Well, I have a oh, mother. Yes. <laughs> As a mother, I mean, it's like, you know, you have those mother moments where you're just like, oh, my God. Why is my kid being this way? Why am I being this way? I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was real, you know. Well, yeah, that's, that's, to go back to how it's about, um, you know, grief is that it really can be a very selfish experience, too. Where Absolutely. You're, you're so absorbed in how miserable you are. You aren't thinking about people around you. And uh, I, I myself personally have had one or two times where in a bad moment, I would explode at my parents or they would explode at me. And we were mm-hmm. always sorry afterwards. But it's because you're just so stuck in this uh, miserable mire that you can't think of how you're affecting other people. Well, yeah. And, you know. The first time I ever lost someone, I was 26, and it was my grandfather that I speak so highly of. He was my favorite person in the world and still is one of my favorite people. Like, I keep his memory alive. But when he died, I didn't know how to react, so I got very angry, and I screamed at my mother on the way to the funeral. You did tell I cannot, that. I, I, can't, I can't take that back. I screamed at everyone, and then I just dissolved into crying, like, so hard, like, I couldn't breathe. And, but I was so angry. I was picking fights with my aunts who just lost their father. And he was pretty much like my father. And I just felt selfish, like angry that nobody understood how I felt, you know. And You're I was right. like, oh, God, I wish I could do that over. Oh, But, you know, you don't. It's, it's exactly like you said. You don't think about it. You just it happens. And you're like, oh, shit. I didn't mean to do that. I don't I, I don't know how to deal with what I'm feeling. Building on that, it does kind of show how everyone's mind gets lost but the movie itself doesn't ever lose its mind of what it wants to do so that's good yeah yeah Yeah. it's bouncing all these ideas and it's not feeling like they just typed up all this jargon and then you know check for continuity or anything (laughs) i will say i'm i'm impressed that no one uh smelled any of the fire from the photos she was burning or any of the bugs in the attic just saying (laughs) <laughs> right, it's one weird yeah. house. <laughs> well, I mean, they do complain about the smell, but it's not till later. Yeah, because you know the husband comes in, um, yeah. Gil Byrne comes in, and he's like, "Amy, what's that smell?" Yeah, <laughs> and of course, 
that was, I didn't notice that until the second time I watched it, and I was like, right, I know I was, what the smell is. <laughs> I was about to say I didn't I didn't notice that until we watched it the second time. <laughs> An interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Of, of on payment and for payment to be able to um, interfere or enter the person, they have to uh, take a certain herb. And there's little pieces that you will notice. Remember how Annie says. When she's talking to Charlie after her, you know, you know, the grandmother died, she's like, "When you were a baby, she wouldn't even let me feed you. Yep, she had to feed you. So that's so you got to assume that she was feeding her that herb. Then, right. and then, and you know, and Payman wants a, a male body, a male host, and um, but you know, Peter and um and inhales it. If you notice the part after Charlie died, he's smoking a bowl with his friends, one of which is in the cold that you notice at the end that he and just sit then and then annie when she's at joan's house having tea you notice her pick something out of her mouth in this herbs yeah they've all ingested it so then they were vulnerable to payment damn <laughs> so he did his homework mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying like i mean i he's very thorough and it's stuff that you wouldn't really think about unless you do your homework and i think no. it just adds it makes the movie richer if you look into the stuff yeah. yeah. What do we think of the King Pyman possession twist at the very end? I didn't see it coming. I really, I, the first time I watched it, I was very surprised. I, I just was like, you know, especially like when the mom cutting her head off, I was like, mm-hmm. what the absolute fuck? Yeah. And, um, and when her head, she's beating her head on, you know, she's up on the the ceiling beating her head on that door and i'm like stop just quit what you're doing it's freaking me out and then she ends up there and she's levitating cutting her head off and it's like what the fuck and then you see the body just float up there headless i'm like what okay i i didn't see any of this coming as cheesy as i thought that that scene was where the headless (laughs) her headless body kind of floats over to the treehouse and floats up it was i actually enjoyed that I know it was. I know it was kind of cheesy and kind of off-putting, but I thought it, it I was kind of. I think it was cheesy, though. Maybe I, that's just me. Yeah. I, I did. <laughs> yes and no. And the the CGI was good, but the way it was kind of done was kind of a little overkill. But yeah, I think I was still in no the what the absolute fuck because those last fifteen minutes of the movie, you're absolutely like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, you know. So I was still wrapped up in that when that happened. It was just another what the fuck. What is happening? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I need adult. I have very mixed feelings. Okay. Because um, on one Bring hand, it, it was well done enough that to me it kind of evoked the ending of a, of Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's mm-hmm. lots of comparisons to this in Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely had that twist. But in the same note, it was a lot like how I reacted to Sinister, and I felt like when I, for most of the film, when I felt this was like a psychological horror, it was very engrossing. But then the last like 15 minutes, they had the supernatural, directly supernatural stuff in. It kind of, I deflated it a little bit for me. Yeah. Agreed. Well, it does kind of remind me of Sinister and even, uh, did anyone see that other Scott Derrickson film, Deliver Us from Evil? Yeah. That one I didn't see, no. Okay. That was another one, just unusual elements and someone having to figure out what the hell's going on. All right. Uh, so why? Oh, sorry. Um, I was just thinking with that that ending. Like, do we even think that Payman really wants to possess anyone? He I don't think so. Like, I think he seems he just really wants, uncomfortable with everything. I <laughs> right. think 
I think he's been passed the torch to this demon, and he he doesn't want to take it. He's like, "What you want me to do? What?" <laughs> right. It's That's like, and also when you go back through and watch, and keeping in mind that Charlie is you know earlier the host for Payman, it's like if you're a, a majestic king of hell, do you want to sit through a boring class or go right. to school or any of that shit? <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, I mean when when. She finds that book about, and the, the part about payment, it just says payment um, wants a male host. So that's why, you know, like all along, once, uh, you know, uh, the mother, the grandmother or whatever, her son committed suicide because, you know, he said she was trying to put people in him, which was true or something. Um, but, you know, that she was grooming, she wanted to groom Peter for it because he, he was male. Mm-hmm. You know. Another yeah. weird Easter egg before he jumps out of the goddamn window. It looks like suspiciously like he just saw his parents both naked in front of him, standing in front of him. And I couldn't tell mm-hmm. if those were the Coven leaders or what. I was like, what the yep. hell? Yeah. That, that's a fate worse than death. That was, that was another thing about that scene is that, you know, you like he looks up and his, his mom saw her fucking head off. Yeah, I was and like, then, oh my God. And and that's not enough to get you to jump out the fucking window. But then you look down and you see a couple strange naked people. <laughs> naked. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like. Where's Joe Bob? I yeah. didn't do and it. It's like, Fuck this shit. I'm out. And you jump out the fucking window. I think, you know, for me, and I always just try to, you know, get in the mind of a character. I, I really go. I think it's just like the writer in me. But I'm mm-hmm. thinking like maybe he was trying to take everything in and just finally like. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I can't, all, all of it. Like, I mean, if I looked up and saw my mom flying her head off, I'd probably be in shock for a sec. Like, uh, mm-hmm. what the fuck? And then these people approaching me, I'd be like, uh, okay, that, that broke my shock. I gotta get out. Yeah. So now we can expect the sequel, Coven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. If if he did a sequel to this, I would be extremely disappointed. I must say, I, I would be disappointed, and I don't think he's the type that's that would do that. I know, I'm just making based shit on up. yeah, based <laughs> on like you know what he, he does. Um, have any of you? I know Sean has watched the strange thing about the Johnsons. Not yet. I can't nope. bring myself to watch stuff about it. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Well, it's it's 30 minutes. It was his thesis in in film school, and it's very powerful. Rob's <laughs> the one that got me to watch it, and I watched it, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. But I mean, it's. I know it's like, okay, you know, cringe, incest, uh, like Cameron said, I don't want to spoil too much, but um, grief. <laughs> grief is uh, really the main thing going on. And like yeah. I said, that's that's the main thing in all three of his works. And I right. suggest, I, I mean, I highly suggest watching it. It's a really good piece of work. It's very unsettling, like Midsummer and Hereditary. It's just all that stuff packed into 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's on YouTube, so I highly recommend it. It will unsettle you. And but, whether or not you think that Ari Aster is a great horror director, he's he's a great traumatic traumatic. Yeah, exactly. He he does he does traumatic scenes very well. You know, and and it goes back to uh, uh, Midsummer at the end. You know, close to the end where she's. You know, when uh, we had talked about last uh, last episode where she's uh, like wailing and screaming and everybody's wailing and screaming mm-hmm. with her, you know, and like the power that went along with that, like, 
he's really good at it, at emotion. Yeah, especially yes. how it was staged. Yeah. You're here screaming, you're reacting to this, and then you're screaming, and yeah. it, it all conjured up and made sense. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. is this, It's not every director that can translate that kind of stuff and make you feel it. Like You can put any actor actress on the screen and, and have them do that scene, but if they don't do it correctly, you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's done correctly, too, where it's unsettling to where you feel it in your stomach. And I like that. That's yep. powerful. That's that's talent right there. Yeah. By all means. What do you think of the... <laughs> I, I can't deal with it. I <laughs> found some research, and I hate to say it, Candy. You're wrong. It is used as a sexual noise. <laughs> <laughs> it was used in Beyonce's Blow. It was used in Janelle Monae's Make Me Feel. <laughs> the tongue pop. And well, it... Think- I it mean, was drag queens feel it. It's, like a, it's a drag queen culture thing, too, to tongue pop. I was about to say <laughs> that, too. It, it, it's been used by <laughs> Alyssa Edwards, who was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, but uh, a lot of the queens do it. Um, Tadra Call, who does uh, the, the dance stuff on uh, Drag Race, um, and he also ha- does like music and, and dance videos. <laughs> He's a choreographer. He does the tongue pop. Uh, they all do it. <laughs> I had two Latino friends, one in the 80s, one throughout the 90s, and they both got whacked over the head by their mother saying, stop that, that's wrong. It's nasty. (laughs) (laughs) I got asked to stop by my mom when I was making it. I was just being stupid. I just thought it was stupid and dumb. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, people are going to look at you weird. (laughs) I'm like, man. They already do. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is used for porn noise. There you go. (laughs) Ew. It's like when yeah, I right. when I got my ear pierced uh, way back in uh, college. Oh God! I, I I actually got the wrong one, and I found out no, the ear you pierce that's like a kind of a subtle gay signal. <laughs> I've heard about that actually. More, I mean, I think it was more of like an eighties yeah. thing where it's like you know the right ear means you're gay. Left yeah, no, no, cool. that that is common. My my dad would even ask that because he would see certain celebs dressed up like that, like Mariska Hargitay, Morgan Freeman on the talk shows, and is like they're straight as fuck. But it's like for whatever reasons, just however they're getting the piercing, they're all of a sudden becoming an LGBT symbol. And I mean, well, they're already pro-gay, but it's interesting how they I'm took just, full meaning. I'm just saying, I don't really think that's like super relevant anymore. My brothers are both gay, and they both have both ears pierced. It's like a thing now that just they have both ears pierced. Yeah, I mean, straight men have both ears pierced. Sean has both ears pierced. He's straight right. as, as far as I know. Uh, I should know. So they're just gasping at <laughs> is what they are. <laughs> Depends on what day it is. Okay. <laughs> well, today I'm straight tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you come forth with that information. Thank you. <laughs> come out. <laughs> well, we learned more about alternative lifestyles than we needed to here. Yeah, well, this movie is an alternative. You life know, life. it is Pride Month. Why not? Why can't we go there? You know, it's Pride Month. <laughs> I mean, the whole true. movie, you, you don't. Uh, did anyone even expect any kind of closure? Like he kills someone and runs away or something uh, before they introduce the supernatural element? <laughs> um, no, I honestly thought the, the ending was the perfect ending. Cause well, no, no, I'm not know. talking about that. I, I just, where did you even expect it to go? I, I just figured at one point i just figured someone was gonna just kill someone else and that was gonna be it but it didn't even go there instead everyone pretty much 
Well, you know, I thought Annie would become unhinged and, you know, something would happen. Um, like, cause she talked about how she sleepwalks and, you know, the one time she covered her and the children in paint thinner and was going to strike a match. So I thought yeah. maybe some sleepwalking murder. She does kind of sound suicidal. Like she wants to do a murder suicide from that statement, but it's, it could be the demon in her talking. Cause and well, she said, she, oh. I don't think she had the demon in her at that point. I think, you know, um, I think she just, <laughs> she's got some issues. Yeah. As a sleepwalker myself, I don't sleepwalk anymore, but I, I used to. Um, I used to do. Sometimes you, you you do weird shit, but I mean, not I never do anything that weird. Okay. <laughs> you know, actually, sometimes I'm, you can't make sense of the weirdness. It's just like it's who I am. So. <laughs> on, on a striking note, actually, just recently, I found out that uh, Kevin Bacon, when he made the movie Tremors, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going episode all- without Kevin Bacon being mentioned. Just letting you know. Uh, of course. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's the sound of the universe after all. But, um, outside of him just being so frustrated, his career being in the skids to where he had to make a movie about giant underground worms, um, also, he also was going through all the anxiety of his wife being pregnant, being a first-time dad. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, and he said that while he was making that, there were times where he would he would sleepwalk and, like, wake his wife up in a panic. Like, we gotta hear, get out of here. They're coming for us. They're after us right now, because... He just had so much stress on his mind that yeah. he would wake up in a panic like that. Now, it'll, it'll do some weird stuff. To touch back on what Erica said at the beginning of the show, um, you know, I totally saw Charlie as the antagonist in this movie. And when she... Especially with you know, the bird cutting the head off shit. Right. And, you know, there was just a lot of, you know, the the tongue pops and just there was... She looks creepy, you know. And if yeah. you see, if you look, if you see the actress, looks nothing like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, it, they did a she's they did a, a very really attractive job. girl. Yeah, and she she did a really good job playing that character. But the second she got her head lopped off, I was just like, "What the fuck?" Like that. Like, it took where do a, we go now? Right. Yeah. And that's and that's what what I think I enjoyed about the movie the most is that. They were able to to I don't know misdirect me, you know, lead me lead me down a path that you know I thought the movie was going to go one way and it just totally went a different direction. In the yeah, best and, possible way. And the the moment you know that Annie finds out that Charlie is dead and she's on the floor screaming and crying. Um, yeah. So I I feel that as a mother. Um, mm. Where she's just like uh, screaming, her you know her daughter's just screaming Charlie, and I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. And I I I kind of can get in that headspace. Um, my my cousin uh, died young in his twenties uh, a couple years ago, and my aunt she just was completely just didn't know how to handle it. And I went to my son's room the day I found out that he died. And my son was at school. And I was standing in his doorway, and I just started bawling. Like, if my kid died, I'd probably want to die. I don't know how I could live. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Like, I don't know it how I could be. live if, if I lost one of my kids. But, I mean, and you got you have to think about, like, not only that, but you you lose your kid, but it was your other Ooh. kid. Whether it was an accident, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But I it was your address that at that dinner scene. Yeah. And that was, you know, I mean, as a parent, like, I don't know. How I can't even imagine being in that situation. 
Yeah, like, how do you wrap your head around that? Like, I can't wrap my head around losing a kid, but, like, if it was, like, you know, my daughter and and my son, you know, like, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I I don't even know how I'd deal. Right. Well, that's just it. No one knows how to deal with it. So it's just, like, it's a terror, and it's... And see, that's some of the scariest, effective parts. Yeah. The horror of trying to live after something like that happening. Yeah. As uh, as someone who has an interest in the psychology of horror, you know, I've done my own homework and, you know, I've heard stories of parents going through that grief of uh, having lost a child where it's not just the pain, like for, they can go days, months, even whole years where they will just go through the motions. They'll even like, you know, make their kid lunch in the morning and lay their clothes out in bed, just, almost role-playing because yeah. that's their way of coping but it can mm. get to the point of being unhealthy where at some point you got to accept that this this is what happens right yeah um, yeah i mean and i think we've all i mean i know that i've seen it in other people unfortunately um i know that the room my best friend died in last november her mother she, she was living with her mother at that time the, the the doors just shut. Nothing. Nobody. She doesn't want to even see the room. She doesn't like want to acknowledge. Just cutting off that part of what was once your life. Yeah, I mean, it's it's as a parent, like I said, you know, you just I don't know how I would react. I don't know what Re- I would re- do. Reverse Norman Bates. Mm. Oh God. <laughs> well, Norman kept his mother's bedroom, you know, perfectly preserved, like she still lived there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. What movie would you do a double feature of this with? Midsummer. Yeah, same here. It's a good contrast. I'd probably do a double feature with either Get Out, one of the six Hellraisers, uh, Sinister 2, The Guardian by William Friedkin, maybe even Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> yeah, I can sell that one for me. Just, uh, one of those other just cult movies that's becoming a big, prominent iconic horror film now so it's one of those just uh, it would definitely be cool to do a Q&A with this and at an anniversary screen yeah. so. and, and aside aside what you know Candy's feelings about uh, Kubrick's The Shining I could see this as a double feature if we're looking at the theme of, of families like uh, falling apart well, there, there wasn't any Native American uh, renter for this house so I don't know what was going on here <laughs> Uh, there's some kind of burial of Bob, ground. <laughs> might have been the side of five Bob Bob Denver Christmas specials. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, Simpsons it, reference. Uh, it had to go there. Uh, I am wondering uh, if there was some other kind of folklore he was inspired by. Well, um, the mythology uh, mythos of Payman, who was one of you know the devils. Um, in in that folklore, um, yeah. I did look into it a little bit in demonology. And he still worked with a lot in certain types of ceremonial magic, especially Solomonic traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, call on the kings of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's just a lot there, and and once you know that information, I think, like I said, it makes for a richer experience. It's, it's also like, interesting seeing how the mom, she's always going to work, 
or no, the dad's at work. She's always at home. <laughs> and it's like, it's just showing you how we don't really see much of their outside life because it's all irrelevant. It's like, because everything's coming to a dramatic pause based on this chapter of their lives. We didn't even know if they even got along before that, but we definitely knew that the brother just didn't take his, you know, responsibility as an older brother seriously. <laughs> well, I think he was just being an average kid. When I was his age, I was doing the same thing, smoking a bowl in my room. And Well, no, no, know, I don't mean that. I just, I just mean he's just driving very sloppily and not... Well, I think he was panicking because his sister couldn't breathe. I yeah, it's probably a mixture of panic and being high as fuck. And Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I... Because he's carrying her out, you know, he's obviously worried and concerned. And he's like, hold on, Charlie, we're, we're going to the hospital. And he's driving as fast as he can. And then he sees the, the, the thing in the road, and that's what causes him to swerve, which was probably placed there by the cult members. Because the symbol was on the post. This was also to happen. It was one of the decapitations necessary for the whole payment thing, too. That's a good happen. point. Mm-hmm. Because... Well, who knows? Maybe it was some of the cult members from Get Out. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't doing any brain surgery on anybody here. So, um, what do you think the newspaper heading for the night after read? <laughs> Giant house with a bunch of tragic members been, burns down or some shit. <laughs> well, I would think the cult, since they were carrying on pretty successfully in the shadows, would have cleaned up any mess and they just would have been disappeared. Mm. Nobody would know what happened. Gotcha. It would have just burned down the next day and everyone would because be like... you gotta realize, you know, the cult's been in and out of there doing shit. And they are um, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so if anyone sees a fire, they're not gonna respond for like 40 minutes. Yeah, you're kind of fucked, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think they would have cleaned up the mess and been, you know, gone back to looking like average... Like, Joan looks like average your mom's friend kind of person, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, they, they blend in because they're supposed to. And... You know, they would. I think they would have just made it so. Oh, they just disappeared. We don't know what happened. Yeah, especially without the dad. He's trying. You know, he's pretty much making all the income for the house, and yet he's clearly not getting any work done. You see it on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They made dinner, and they they don't even want to eat their dinner. <laughs> this is like worst possible scenario ever. I'm so glad I don't have to embrace it. Here's a headline. Family gets ahead in life. Oh! <laughs> oh. oh. Wow. <laughs> now this makes me wonder if this is in the same universe as Legend of Hell House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Daniel, so, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to edit in a laugh track on that one. Oh. <laughs> like applause. <laughs> Yeah, the old-fashioned '90s, you know, uh, Steve Urkel laugh track. Yeah. Oh God. No, 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 no. Do some Pee Wee Herman laughing or something. <laughs> <laughs> and have that echo a hundred times. That would be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna go there and ask: between Midsummer and Hereditary, what if, which one do you prefer? Definitely uh, hereditary. Okay. Yeah, hereditary for me too. Ding, 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 hereditary. Midsummer. You're midsummer? Oh, I'm shit. I'm, I'm, I'm midsummer as well. You rebels. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> it's not that I, and I actually, to be fair. They're, they're on the same level. I just no. prefer midsummer more. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, at least you didn't pick us. 
That was the worst movie. Well, ever. that wasn't a choice. <laughs> I'm just saying. At least you picked Midsummer. Well, if you on there, that was like a write-in answer. <laughs> I'm just saying. Actually, at least you picked that and not us. <laughs> I, I have to. I have to admit, Candy. I'm actually surprised. Why that I picked Midsummer? Yeah. I just thought you know the artistry and the the, the broad daylightness of it is very haunting. Because yeah, no. we think of we think of horror movies. Yes, Hereditary scared me, and I love it. I mean, they're really neck and neck with me. <laughs> no pun intended. But um, I just think Midsummer was just a a different concept that I that I kind of embraced because everything's so bright, everything's so beautiful, but it's not. You know, I just yeah. like that element. Um, yeah. As much as I like the darkness and, and, and everything in Hereditary, Hereditary is more of like a straight horror movie. I just kind of like that Midsummer something completely different that we've not mm-hmm. seen before. Yeah. They're both singular stories with lots of themes that make them worth rewatching because they're bigger than the sum of their parts when you look at it that perspective. Yeah, but yeah. I will give Hereditary extra points. It's the same cinematographer, but I'll be damned. I haven't seen any darkly lit movie like that look pretty good in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Half the time I see... Beautiful in an eerie way. Well, that's just it. But <laughs> I see so many other movies that are shot in the dark. It's like, I seriously can't fucking see shit. What's going on? <laughs> it's like, they they weren't lazy. They definitely planned every single scene before executing it. And Absolutely. <laughs> Oh. But see, Hereditary is much more claustrophobic, which is usually what I prefer, as you guys have heard me talk about Romero films, and I love the claustrophobia in them. It all begins with the house. The movie, you know? <laughs> but Midsummer is so open. And I mean, it's just like, it's just something different. So that's why I have, I have to pick that one. It's different. It's open. Everything's bright. It's always, you know, daytime, you know, and but all this horrific, crazy shit is happening. Broad yeah. daylight. No. <laughs> not a, so there's like, a I'm not safe. Well, there's a connecting premise is like basically he has the whole no one is safe tactic. Exactly. The whole gimmick to both movies is like here's a house in the middle of nowhere and you know, in midsummer you got a village in another country in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what he does as his third no one is safe mm-hmm. portion. I'm very uh, excited to see what you know he's going to put out there. He hasn't announced anything, and I'm, I, I can't believe it. I would have thought he'd already be attached to a well, few different things. You know, maybe no. he's working on it, and we just he's just not the type that's going to just talk about it everywhere. You know, it is funny. I hope anyway. It is funny how A24, when they gave him each project, it wasn't anything at all like what it was advertised as. Yeah. <laughs> well, trailers are made. No, by, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean like how they told him what he had to make like midsummer they told him you're gonna make a slasher movie he's like i'm not gonna make a nope. slasher movie i'm gonna yeah. make a, oh. i'm gonna make a dark comedy piece and here with this he pretty much he kind of referred to it as a horror movie he's like no it's more of a tragedy and it, the tragedy happens to be scary yeah right. it was written as uh just a grief movie and then he added the horror in and it just like worked it just clicked so well it worked yeah, yeah. Because Midsummer was supposed to be his first horror film, and totally. I like that it wasn't a slasher. Now, for me, I you know I became a horror fan in the '80s, so I love my slashers, but they're like junk food. You know, they're mm-hmm. bad. You're you're like, oh my god, this dumb bitch is gonna get killed. Oh my god, kill her. She's stupid. I hate her. And you know, just kind of like fun things where you talk to the screen and you're just like, this is fun. Oh my god, what's the punch that guy's head up? Like, 
like Jason takes Manhattan where, oh my God, he's going to punch the dude's head up. Yes. All right. You know, all right. <laughs> you know, so I, I usually watch this stuff for fun. And our next film, Night of the Demons, I have a lot of fun with. That will be fun. That will be interesting. I cannot wait. I can't wait to talk about it. It's one of my favorite horror films, but it's really, really fun. Um, but these are these are serious movies, and I wanted to do them together, you know, just so we could talk about them together. Did you watch this in a drive-in? I don't think it's drive-in fair. I think it's better. I'm not theater. saying it's that low, but it would be kind of interesting to just see how. Oh no, not it's not about like a quality thing. No, no, I no. Just, I I just mean just in that setting, it would be kind of funny for me because I would like to see how many people are into the movie and how many people would actually start up their car and drive away out of fright. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, mean, I, know. That it, I don't. I don't mean in terms of that it's a trashy. Oh know, no, no, no! I don't think everything that shows the drive-ins is trashy, and also trash is fun. But you know, it's uh. I love trash. I, it's it's one of those things. <laughs> trash is taking her clothes off again. Uh, but uh, it's yeah. one of those things where if, if you're in like a theater, you're gonna get that mood better. You know, you've got the better sound, and you're you're in the dark. Or, or you're if watching it at home, you know. I think it's better suited for that. You know what I mean? Like I don't no, think I get, get it. the mood as much is is what I'm saying. Oh, that's always been my love hate relationship with theaters because you lose something when you convert it to home entertainment. At the mm-hmm. same time, if you're just not digging the story or the how it's made versus the actual enjoyment, and then it can be a long wait, and then you're like, shit, I can't leave the theater because I invited all these other people. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love going to theaters uh, to watch things. You know, I really feel like it's a richer experience. But there is, you know, the the nice thing about watching films at home, and I do like to collect physical media. They've got a lot of really cool sets and stuff. But is I can sit there in my sweatpants. I don't have to put on makeup. I don't have to do my hair. And I can run to the fridge whenever I want. You know what I mean? Go, you can pause I can it, drink, say I can too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then come back. Cause sometimes hey, without I, missing anything. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly. So, because I'm one of those people, like, I get the, I have to pee really bad, but I don't want to miss any of the movie. Like, Brian Paul, <laughs> yeah. when I saw that, it, it was long. And my friend Adam and I both had to pee really bad before <laughs> Death Proof started. And I, we were so afraid to go pee. <laughs> we didn't want to miss anything. So we held our pee. And afterwards, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, God. I didn't think I was going to make it. <laughs> that I was not miss anything. To be fair, it's even more in, in, amusing how... Sometimes the theater and giant just picture quality distracts you from when you rewatch the movie years later on cable and you're like, oh, God, why did I like that? Oh, because the theater experience made it bigger the than it was. theater experience, yeah. yeah. It does do that. I, every time. It never fails. I'll see it and be like, why did I think this shit was funny? Why did I think it was <laughs> not it's, unpredictable? It's also, especially if it's been years. I mean, we all change constantly. So, uh, you know, sometimes even if it's just a couple years and I'm just like, wait a minute, I don't like that. Like I thought I did. That's why every opinion on a movie is kind of inconsistent as the years go on. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't really pay attention to opinions except for here on the show um, because I don't like <laughs> people clouding my views. I do like to discuss. And I think that's better when you're on a message board or I'm not talking uh, message boards. I'm talking just like. An overall, like, kind of critical arc, like, just a bunch of people recommending this movie, and how much of it is nostalgia versus legit recommend. Well, and you know, you know what I say about nostalgia. We said that a lot in season. <laughs> yeah, that's nostalgia. Fucking but that's the you. that's the problem. Half the time, you don't know that it's playing into your bias on whether you like or hate the movie. So this is like, 
are you basing it on you went and saw it on a crappy day or you saw it and you just never gave it the time of day? I don't know. Well, I remember being obsessed with Ewoks when I was a kid. I saw uh, Return of the Jedi. It was one of my first movies, that and E.T. I remember seeing in theaters. And then I watched them later when I, you know, of course, I, I watched uh, Return of the Jedi a million times because I love Star Wars. But um, I remember there was an Ewok obsession, kind of like the Baby Yoda thing now. But um, there was an Ewok obsession, <laughs> and they made Ewok movies, and I had to go see them. I, my mom took me, and those movies are absolutely garbage. They should be burned. Erased I, from the memory. I like their. <laughs> oh, I like that's the first awful. One. <laughs> they're awful. They're, but they're better Ewok movies than how they insert them into Return of the Jedi. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. All right, the Ewoks for me were, were gun guns. Were with Star Wars, but that's another. Topic. But see, you're younger than me. No. You're younger than me, so no, I, I've seen Return experience. of the Jedi and Attack of the Clones the most. So I, I think those have the best battles. I don't think they have the best stories compared to Empire. Yeah, well, Empire Strikes Back <laughs> is obviously the best Star Wars movie. Sorry. And you know what? Second best is Rogue One. I absolutely adore Rogue One. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it was Popular probably opinion. the best, it's the best like one it. Disney laid their hands on, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I can see that. God, we can't go without an episode without talking about Star Wars either. We have a lot it, of things. It happened when about. Johnny and <laughs> Rob yeah, I keep traditions alive. Johnny, Rob, and I were trying to talk about horror franchises that should have been better, like Wrong Turn and whatever, and for whatever reason, someone brought up Star Wars and was like, let's have a horror Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, I'm, and, I'm on board. And as a result, uh, what's his name? Rob even did mention that uh, David Iyer, the creator of Training Day and Street Kings, actually wanted to make a Star Wars movie that was kind of alien in space, where what if you were trapped on the Hoth planet? I'm like, okay, that'd be interesting. Right. Well, I'm just wanting know, like the, an old Republic movie. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of a Star Wars nerd, like meaning we are. You know, like I've I've read a lot of the books, you know, yes. which, once once Disney bought it, they they took away all of the, um, you know, the the extended universe. And they uh, did the whole canon versus non-canon. Right. Just like, yeah, it made it yeah. non-canon. A stuff. good company doesn't divide its fans. Right, it's yeah. Disney. They can do whatever and, they want, right? And there are what Paramount did with Star Trek. There are some can't make good, any fan films. There are some good stories out there that I think they could make. Darth into, Revan. Right, yeah, Darth Revan. I want you older public. Give me so so you Wrong. gave me an you gave me an R rated Deadpool movie. Give me an R rated Darth Maul origin story. Yes. yes. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like like give me All an, an R rated um, Darth Vader, you know, after Return of the Jedi, or uh, 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 the le- you know, whatever. Yeah, we're uh, doing a Twilight Zone episode soon. How cool would it be if you had just kind of a Star Wars anthology show? Right. Uh, one season's dedicated to the Sith, the next season's dedicated to all the Jedi legends. Uh, you could show, what's his name, the crazy Jedi and heir to the Empire, how he yeah. went from being a, a you know, a Wise philosopher. I feel like podcast in the making. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I gotta get us back on topic. This is my job. House, I got, I'm sorry. The house that forced just, jokes. Just, just on a loosely related note. <laughs> yeah, the house that forced jokes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. You're so dumb. Just on a loosely related note about all the Disney properties. I want to know what happened to the podcasts you had. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Daniel. 
Yeah, Netflix gave us hard R-rated animated Castlevania. Disney, give us hard R-rated Marvel zombies. Hard R. Uh, yeah, I would actually watch that, and I don't like superheroes. I could get behind that definitely. I do know my X Men pretty well. I, but I, I overall, the only comic books, <laughs> you know, if you read my blog, the only comic books I say are worth it are EC comics from 1955 to 1958. Yeah. Oh, now, shit. Daniel, Daniel, Marvel Zombies has a very EC feel. It's very gallows humor. Yeah. Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they do a series with Ash and the Marvel Zombies? I think they did a crossover special. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I saw something like that. Yeah, Ash kind of pops up in a couple places. Yeah. I'm okay with that. You know how I feel about it. <laughs> he is Rudy a superhero. Bruce, <laughs> who I completely embarrassed myself and I can never talk to again. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm just keep thinking, he'll come back and this time, this time I'll do the right thing. <laughs> It'll be and better. He'll say, hey, you're the slime girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember you. Let me embarrass you again. That would be wild if you remember. <laughs> I would just fucking die. I was trying to die. I was like, please strike me with lightning. And it didn't happen. Okay, back to topic. <laughs> yes, back to topic. So, oh, wow, I really feel like we covered a lot on Hereditary. And we did our comparison with Midsummer. You I want really me to wish- read some stupid-ass Metacritic user reviews? Um, you know, hysterical. since I don't usually read reviews, go ahead. Hey, they're hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Shows the best ones. Are they best? Are they badly spelled? Because those are probably the best ones. No, I didn't go for that ones, but I went for ones who thought they were fucking Shakespeare and had to. Oh, those outward. are even stupider. I mean, they're all stupid, but they're all <laughs> ranged from good to bad reviews. So. Okay. By the way, BTW says. I'm guessing I detested this movie for most of the reasons deranged people out there have been giving it thumbs up. Here's the deal. If you're looking for an equally fun and innovative because, hey, it's gotten great (laughs) reviews, feel right of a horror flick along the lines of the classics or new classics. This is not it. (laughs) Are they separated by periods? Uh, no, but it's just all capitalizes. Oh, okay. <laughs> if instead you're looking for a severely effed up enjoyment depleting what the fuck inducing nightmare, knock yourself out. Just promise me you won't have kids. I had high hopes, <laughs> and there were some <laughs> good moments with some solid problems. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you want someone to have kids? I don't understand. I, I think he just thinks they're all fucking psychos. I don't know. And then so the they first like reproduce. Okay, so you just. <laughs> <laughs> and then the first WTF thing happened and everything was simply terrible or depressing. I give it a five because the acting and atmosphere, two things that certainly matter, were spot on. But minus ten for the story for leaving a terrible taste in my mouth. It's like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Talk <laughs> to your mommy about your problems. Who told this guy he was in charge? All right. Here's a ten star review from Mark Doyle. It's such a great feeling when a critically acclaimed movie that you've been anticipating for months actually delivers the goods. It's not a common thing for me. As a genre film fan, I love this movie so much, and I can't stress it enough that you have to see this one on the big screen with other movie lovers, with hopefully some horror fans in the mix. The shrieks, the groans, the nervous laughter, it's all there. I won't say anything substantive about the film because I want to give absolutely nothing away, but Tony Collette is phenomenal. (laughs) <laughs> and Alex is excellent as always, and Alex Wolf is a serious fine. 
can't say enough about how effectively he pulls the various threads of this movie together. Whew. I agree with that <laughs> one. Thumbs up. <laughs> for me. Oh, God. In my virtual internet world, they get a like. Here's another unusual review from Anastasio T. Good, but not special. Certainly not up to the critics' reviews. Well-directed, shot, and acted, but a little cliche. On the terrifying scenes of the plots, too slow for my taste, it finally achieved a good rhythm in the final 10 to 15 minutes. Three out of 10. Oh, so they're one of those popcorn horror fans where they got it. Now, I loved... Okay, I won't say I loved. I liked the remake of it, I liked it. <laughs> but it was one of those, like, every five minutes, treat me like I was an idiot. Like, oh, we, we need your attention right now. Oh, you, you probably lost interest. Here's here's something to scare you. Here's, here's a random thing. Okay, I'm like, this is stupid. You really just cheapened yourself. I like slow builds. I like slow burns. I don't need to be entertained every five minutes. Like, I feel like they're, they're insulting me. <laughs> All good. Alrighty. I'm just saying that person sounded yeah. like they would they wanted that kind of movie. And There's a mix of various snobs in these forums. I just had to round up the best ones. Uh, Vox Auto uh, gives a 7 out of 10 star review. Mostly, I enjoyed the movie. It was very scary. Had a couple of cool shots. Not many jump scares if you're into that. The only thing that was <laughs> off-putting was the crying and overacting for the drama when the mother of the, or the son cried. Overacting? Yes. <laughs> Did not enjoy the last five minutes as well. Seemed to be more of a filler than a story. Not the scariest movie ever, not in the top ten even, but a good movie nonetheless. Mm, I know how I feel about that. The Alex does kind of overact at the dinner table, but everything else was pretty <laughs> convincing. I didn't feel like it was overacted. I think that would have pulled me out of the story. Because, <laughs> I, you know, like if, you, if you're overacting, it's going to make me not believe what you're saying. It's going to suck all that out, and I just don't feel like anybody overacted i feel like it was very emotional thing and it was called for to act that way it <laughs> yeah. did. i mean am i wrong i i think uh, they could have done maybe one or two more takes and that would have been fine anybody else think it was just right i thought uh, it was fine i thought tony sold the scene and the music was good but right. whatever works it was it was solid but we're not talking like brando here <laughs> well, it depends on what era of Brando you're talking about. Yeah, Brando was great. Doctor Moreau. Yeah, where he didn't even know his lines, and the director had to make everybody wait so they could read him his lines because Brando was the weirdo. Not early, actor, like on the waterfront. Um, you know, uh, Street Carney and Desire, like phenomenal actor, but then he just got weird and couldn't act anymore. When Elia Kazan gets sick of you, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Catalan Kane gives a ten star review. Tony Collette. I would put a ring on it. Such a wonderful <laughs> thrill ride. Mouth click. Okay. Uh, and the final 8 out of 10 star review is Brian McCritic. A film that uses long shots to help depict emotion and fear and does so with great success. Tension is gained with great sound design and a terrific score. The performances are all top notch. And even when scenes might tend to become silly and ideas, the performances still make it feel real. A minus 8 out of 10. All right. Lifetime this is not. That is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness for that. It'd be funny well, if this was yeah. like on. Uh, that would actually that. be funny if it did come on Lifetime. <laughs> it's like, okay, they want better quality entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lifetime would never. They'd lose their 
no, they, they have been recently. They've been playing a lot of movies uncut. All those cable companies are ruthless for ratings. It's ridiculous. All right. Protodius gives a 10 out of star review. 10 out of 10. An unholy, relentless, demented film that is emotionally torturous and visually deranged. It's still, it will make you feel almost uh, filed after you leave the theater. I have watched a lot of critically acclaimed horror movies. The Witch, The Babadook, It Follows, etc. I don't honestly care for any of them. This movie lived up to the hype. I can't really explain why it's so horrifying. It just feels so dot 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 wrong. The way the film captures absolute grief and despair made my emotions churn. And there are some moments in the final 20 minutes that were absolutely horrifying. Of yes. course, the movie is nothing without Tony Collette, who gives a performance worthy of an Academy Award. She Absolutely. Walks, mm-hmm. She walks a fine between portraying an emotionally traumatized, psychologically damaged woman and not having it up to the point where it's funny. I'm actually not kidding. I think it's the best performance from an actress I have ever seen. Alex Wolf gives an absolutely wonderful performance. The movie is a slow burn, but it's never boring. It's never pretentious either, which is... What I felt was the case with yada yada movies. I honestly think that it's equal to The Exorcist and its horrific imagery. It's the best horror movie I've seen in a long time, and I highly recommend. That I could have absolutely written that. I mean, that's kind of encapsulates how I feel. Oh, you're gonna love this one. Final one, I swear. Anthony P eight six eight four gives a ten star review. <laughs> the Shining with its dread and slow camera pans, plus Rosemary Baby equals Hereditary. Don't believe the naysayers. The young horror audience of today is more interested in jump scares and gore. These are the same young people who eat Tide Pods for fun. Oh my god, <laughs> what? Is that who, no. is that who you want to take stupid. movie advice from? <laughs> okay. Oh. I didn't need to go there. That was dumb. It- <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, like okay, boomer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got okay, boomered, and I was like, listen, fucker, I am Generation X. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with me, okay? Oh shit. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I am. Uh when were you born? Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Every girl asks this. No, I think you're like, <laughs> you're close to my brother's age. I think you're like generation is it Y? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Because my brothers are, are your age and they're younger than me. Um, but yeah, I think I think your generation Y, which generation Y or Z, it's one of those two. <laughs> He's not saying. <laughs> you can't, no, it's okay. Don't, I mean, but you can't um, break Daniel. Don't do not, it. Don't do it. I'm not trying to break him. I'm just trying not to tell him. Not the word. Not the word. <laughs> no, okay. I'm just informing you. Uh, it's a broad my, spectrum, so nobody's going to be able to guess. My, I, just, I just know. Gabriel Byrne in this movie, he's not saying much. <laughs> well, and I think that was well done. Anybody, let's just go around and do a real quick our review. What we, oh, what shit. What we would review. Cameron, you can go first. <laughs> oh, I'm not ready. Uh, <laughs> you're not ready? Just joking. Yeah, anyway, um, joking. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It's a very worthwhile seeing movie. Uh, like many of the naysayers and praisers have said, it is worth seeing. It's definitely a movie that utilizes the editing and sound and foley and uses them to great effect to create a bigger image. It's very organized. It's a little long, but not to the point where you're just like, oh, what the fuck, get on with it. It's very just captivating and... It's going to make for multiple wonderful rewatches because, again, it's a simple story with bigger themes that 
like you've said when you started you're going to notice something new each time you watch it and so that's the power of film everybody instead of just yeah. being popcorn mm-hmm. okay let's go next eight out of ten <laughs> nice job um i'll step up okay <laughs> okay well that rare thing in horror t- these days originality yep very atmospheric when it is strong, it is knocking you flat on your back, kind of strong. When it is weak, it's very sloppy and very hackneyed. Uh, main complaint would be that if you're going to watch it, just be sure you don't drink a lot of water because you're going to end up needing <laughs> a pee break. Yeah. yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the better depictions of raw traumatic emotion that I've seen in quite a while mm-hmm. with some marvelous attention to detail a director who clearly did his homework yeah but pretty lame twist ending yeah fair okay so, so what's your score out of 10 I'd say 8 right. good deal um Sean so uh, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, <laughs> How about the beginning? So I think that I think that Ari Aster does a really good job grasping the emotional aspect um, and, and the tragedy. But I would have loved to have seen this movie without the supernatural element. Um, if it was just a movie about family tragedy. Um, and, and I know it's a horror show and I know that, you know, we talk about horror and this is technically a horror movie, but I, I'm kind of with Daniel where I thought the last five or 10 minutes was kind of, you know, it was kind of cheesy. And I just, I would have loved to have seen this as, as an actual like family tragedy movie, you know, about loss and, and grief. Um, and not so much about the horror aspect. Yeah. Okay, what's your score? Uh, I'll give it a seven out of ten, seven and a half out of ten. The okay. acting in it, I thought the acting in it was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Erica. I think I'll go with, uh, can we do fractions, 8.5 out of ten? There yeah. you go. Oh, snap. <laughs> we get to make our own rolls. The IMDb <laughs> meter here, folks. Eight point seven, three points away from enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, uh, I think it's it's creepy, it's atmospheric, it's um, it doesn't follow a lot of typical uh, film cliches and tropes. It goes kind of askew of those things, which uh, I like the fact it kept me guessing when I watched it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm gonna give it a uh, gosh, nine point five. Um, <laughs> and as for my reasoning behind that, Tony Collette is a masterpiece in this film. Like everything centers around her, and she carries it so well. Not that there aren't other great performances, but she just steals the show, and um, it's phenomenal. I like that. It's not a typical horror movie, even though it is scary. It did get to me emotionally, and it did deliver the scare um, later on in the film. Like, just kind of more disturbing. Um, 
It's not, you know, grotesque, super bad. I mean, he does cut her head off, but I watch I watch gore films all the time, so that's like nothing. <laughs> that's nothing to me. But yeah. um, but it meant something because of all of the other stuff that was not technically horror in this movie. And I think that adding this family stuff to it, and we care about the characters, made the end so much more horrifying. I didn't find the end cheesy. Uh, it was a, a bit, the moment um, at the end was a bit overly long, and that's the point five off of it. Um, it's like, okay, we get it. It's just going on and on, and we got it. Everybody's here, and they're worshiping. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at point five. I cool. just, you know, very Branch cool. out and try new things because uh, yeah. this is successful, and that's that. Cool, cool. Yeah, oh, fun conversation. Absolutely, I think we gotta start wrapping up. So uh, let's go ahead and do our plugs. Uh, do you know you want to go first? Why certainly. Uh, as always, you can tune into the Nightmare Nerd on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, now on the uh, Slasher social media app as well. Mm. I, uh, Got one more retrospective for Pride Month coming up, as well as some other videos I'm working on. And as always, check out, yep, check out my Facebook and Twitter feeds for a lot of uh, sarcastic horror humor. <laughs> yeah. Like sarcasm. <clears throat> you have a nice sense of humor. Um, okay, Cameron. <sighs> when I'm not on this cast or JURS, I'm often binge-watching the shit out of Better Call Saul, Homeland, and Haunting of Hill House. And yes. reviewing them, so... <laughs> Excited to talk about that episode, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Erica. Uh, okay, check out my uh, blog at myhorrificlife.com. And if you want updates on the uh, craft brewery that I'm a part of, visit 3marmbrewing.com. M-A-R-M is how the marm is spelled. And that is owned by actor Andrew Devoff. But you approves. Yes. <laughs> nice. It would have been fun if he had been the dad in this movie. He would have been really black <laughs> oh, oh, you, cool. you will obey <laughs> your mother's son. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that you would obey her. Ah. <laughs> I uh, can be found uh, sometimes on Cameron's Jacked Up Review Show. We recently recorded a special award show. And I'm interested um, that for that to be released. <laughs> yes. uh, that was kind of fun. Um, Too much fun. <laughs> and I'm here every week on the House That Screams. You can follow us on Twitter at House underscore Screams. I also have a horror blog, um, in which I recently posted a very, I think, important article about real life horror. Um, the blog is candy, candy horror at dot wordpress dot com, and uh, that's all I got. <laughs> So, everyone, stay spooky. See you next As week always, for Night for of the me. Demons. <laughs> we're we're going to go to some fun after all this serious fare. <laughs> Are we still doing the horror movie hoedown? <laughs> um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm just saying, it could be fun. We'll have to discuss that. <laughs> but anyway, everyone, have a great night. Thank you for being on the show. I'm looking forward to next week, like I said, so we can have a little bit more fun. Talk about, you know, laugh a little bit more because uh, it's not serious at all. Night of the Demons. That's good. Uh, as always, <laughs> eat, drink, and be scary. Absolutely. Everybody have a good night. Thank you.
Night to you and night to the demons. 